Any of you are sitting there thinking, what in the world are we watching Braveheart at church this morning? Well, folks, the reason is, is that the message that we have before us this morning is, is not a complicated one. As a matter of fact, it's one that probably any of you could have prepared for. Because it's not so much the message itself, it's not what, we've, what we're going to be told to do, it's, it's being motivated to go do it. And, and that's literally, I, I see as my job this morning to, to be that guy that, that motivates you to do it. So this morning, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And while you're, while you're turning there, I want you to to answer a question for me, and that question is, what motivates you? What inspires you? Uh, is it movies? Uh, I watch movies like this, and I get up, and I, I want to go conquer the world. There's movies like Rocky. Rocky. You know, you just see this underdog, and they come in, and, you know, and they just, they do just amazing things, things they weren't expected to do. Movies like uh, Facing the Giants. See the the little kid who there's no way he can kick a football, you know, 60-something yards. You know, this dad who can't walk, places himself at the end and just, You know, you're just brought to tears. You're inspired. And that's what I see God doing here in this text this morning. It's inspiring us to more. Now, for each of you here this morning, you're you're all in different places in your walk with Christ. Some of you maybe haven't even started that walk yet. Some of you need to get saved here today and, and... And I hope it happens. And the rest of the people here that are hope that as well, right? (laughs) You kind of want somebody to get saved this morning, really? And all of us here want that to happen for you too. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, Is it music that inspires you? Were you inspired just now? Amen. Yeah, I was. My right arm's hurting, I'm telling you. I had to put it down there for a minute. I uh, told a story in an earlier service that um, this week uh, Andrew texted me and said, "What uh, you got any specific songs that you want sung this week? And um, I said, no, just, you know, just something that will inspire us on to, you know, to, to run this race that we're going to talk about in the text this morning. He, he sent me a text back and said, you mean like I, the tiger, you know, something like that? And I said, yeah, run with it. That works for me. You know. Is it people that inspire you? Um, this week as I was kind of dragging myself through this text and uh, trying to get my bearings in order that I could 
you know, have it do its work in me. I uh, uh, thought of a, of a guy that was in my life um, for a period of time in my early 20s. Um, uh, I was that uh, kind of that, that, that grease monkey uh, guy that just, uh, I was just uh, uh, head over heels in lust with drag racing. And um, yeah, anyway, I had a Mustang and all of this, and I just happened to meet the guy that was the uh, kind of the the godfather of that whole five-liter Mustang revolution. And anyway, he, uh, I remember just being enamored with him and just being in his midst was just, you know, I was just like a little kid, you know, uh, all the places that he could take me and people that he could introduce me to. And I tell you that this morning to help you to see that um, that's where this text is taking us this morning. This is the first place that it lands us. It's the fact that, uh, that as we look at, obviously, the title this morning, Motivation, God's Way, the first thing that, that God does for us is He sends this, this procession of, uh, of saints, of, of those who have... Who have in, gotten inspired and, and ran this race before us. So let's begin Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The writer says this, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we look at the first part of verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, that word therefore obviously points us back to look at what has just been talked about. In other words, therefore, understanding what you had just heard. And what we had just heard in chapter 10 was the fact that the Jesus, basically, he's, he's the one that's paid the price. He's the one that's, that's given his life. And then the next chapter we see in chapter 11, this, this chapter of faith and the fact that we have to, we have to believe in, and, and trust and follow Jesus. And then we see this, this long list of, of heroes, those who have gone before us and done that. We see Moses, we see Abraham, we see Noah, and, and on down the line. And if, if the writer, if God had had it to where that list could have kept going and would still be written today. You have people in your life, you have family members, you have friends, you have people that you've gone to church with that have, that have gone on, they've, they've run this race that we're going to talk about and run it well. And you're probably sitting here today because of them. You're their legacy of them running the race well. So this morning... I'm afraid that as we just pick up our Bibles and read, if we were to just sit here and read chapter 11, uh, trying to point us to chapter 12, I'm afraid we, we still wouldn't get it. Uh, so God kind of gave me the illustration this week of let's, let's picture ourselves at, um, uh, at a basketball game this fall. 
Um, the boys, girls, whoever are playing, they're, they're on the floor, they're warming up, they're getting ready to play, and, and all of a sudden, Michael Jordan walks into the gym. And right behind him is Larry Bird, and right behind him is LeBron James, and right behind him is, is Shaquille O'Neal, and they, they walk in, and obviously after they get past all of the... Oh, and they sit down, and, and, and the reason for being there is, is not that they get any kind of praise or, or whatever. The, the reason for being there is they want to encourage those that are on the court that you can do it. That's what we need to see this text is pointing us to is the fact that, that these, these witnesses, they're there encouraging us, you can do it. You can do it. You know, it was hard. We went through it, but, but you can do it. And guess what? It's all worth it. We know it's worth it. So this morning, what we have before us in, in all of this text is literally just the beginning of a race, and we're just going to prepare and we're going to walk through this race. So the first thing God gives us is, is encouragement to get it done. This procession of, of people who have done it before us, so there's no excuse. There's nothing, there's no way for any of us to say, no, it can't be done. God says, yeah, it can. It's already been done. Those who have gone before you did it because they trusted me, because they followed me. So what would be the next thing that, that we would have to do in a race? All right, we've been sitting here, and, and, and you've got to picture the fact that we're, we're probably not in the race at this point. We're just sitting here, and, and all of a sudden, these, these witnesses show up, and they encourage us, and they, you know, and they do a good job in inspiring us like I'm trying to do right now. Is any of it working? And, and you actually get up, and you're like, hey, you know, I want to do something. And, and the next thing that we see is, is the fact that now, okay, it's a race, right? It's not going to dinner, all right? There's a little preparation that has to happen here. So the next thing we see in the text is, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So we see the preparation. In other words, just like they did, they prepared for their race. Now you've got to prepare for your race. And he says, the first thing that you need to do is you need to shed some weight. Now, this is not just for humor's sake. This has a point. All right, this weight that he's talking about is the things in our life that are dragging us down, okay? Your dad volunteered you for this, so I need you to know that. So I'm going to throw him under the bus right off the bat. I asked him to do it, but he said you should do it. <clears throat> I need you to grab this in this hand. I need you to grab this in this hand. I need you to run around this section of the church fast as you can right now. Yes, the middle section. Fast as you can. All right. Now, set them down right there. Now, we're not done. No, we're not done. Now, you've just shed the weight. You've prepared for this race. You're ready, okay? You're going to win. Now, run it without the weights. Let's see the difference. He wouldn't play it for me, so he ain't going to play it for you. All right. 
fast as you can go right now. All right. Don't slide into the tech booth. Go. Amen. Amen. Good job, young man. It didn't work out as well in the first service when the preacher did it. They were both the same speed. (laughs) So we saw the difference, right? We saw the fact that when he was carrying the weight, first of all, his arms. He couldn't do anything with his arms. I mean, when we run, we've got to have our arms up, pumping. We've got to get with it. And, and we can't do that when we're carrying all of this weight around. And, and the point that the writer's trying to make this morning, uh, and, and the first thing that we need to understand is that we, we have to dissect these two words. Too often I've seen this message preached where they put this weight and almost put an of there instead of a comma and an and. Okay, it's two different things. You see this weight that he's talking about, it's not necessarily sin in your life. It's just things that you've allowed too much of to come into your life. And obviously, as, as, as I was preparing for this, God made me deal with my own. And, and I got to thinking about what is this weight? What is, what is one, this one weight specifically that's, uh, that weighs me down and... And I had to confess the fact that it was uh, the lack of, literally, of, of organization in my life. Um, something that I have struggled with in, um, uh, in the past and am working on, but I'm not there. Uh, trying to get there, obviously, now with, you know, part-time pastoring here at the church and still having to work full-time and going back to school. And, oh, by the way, wife and four kids, just a few things going on in my life right now. Um, but those are four different directions, okay? And I've got them all four almost every day. So if I'm not organized, I'm going to spend about half of my time worrying that I forgot something or someone that I was supposed to do. And it literally, it, there's times that it weighs me down. I'll be driving to an appointment or something. I'm thinking, is there somebody I'm supposed to be calling back? You know, was there something my wife told me to pick up? Or am I forgetting one of the kids somewhere? I mean, you know, just all of these things. And it just occupies so much time in my mind. And obviously, if I'm worried about those things and dealing with those things, I'm not thinking about, God, what do you want me to be doing right now? I'm not thinking about the fact that, hey, there may be an opportunity to witness to somebody right in front of me. I'm dealing with the weight. So this morning, I've, I've, I've shared mine with you. So, so I need you for a second now. I need you to think, what's that thing in your life? What's that thing that, that God is asking you to share or shed, that, that God's asking you to deal with in order that you, can, that you can really get in this race and run well? I just kind of wrote a few things down here that you might want to might want to look at. For some of you, it may be health issues. And that's, that's a hard one because it's real, it's in your face, and specifically if it's causing pain in your life. Activities with kids, your job, a, a strained relationship that you've not dealt with. Overcommitment. There's a few people in this service right now that are that are, that are overcommitted, some of us under, but a lot of us, we overcommit ourselves. So what's yours this morning? I, I can't tell you what it is, but 
If you don't know what it is right now, you can, you can sure ask God, and he'll, he'll let you know, because I promise you, he let me know this week. So the next one is, I would almost have to say a little more serious, because we, we know that sin separates us from God. This weight might distract us and keep us uh, occupied, preoccupied, but this sin, it, it separates us from God. And so again, all right, preacher, what was yours? What is yours? And, and I think even before we, we start revealing what they are, I think we need to understand that this is not talking about, okay, what are all these sins that I'm dealing with? The writer is talking about this sin that's so close to you one that you just can't seem to get rid of. If you know your Bibles, we're, we're talking about that thorn that maybe that Paul even was dealing with. You know, uh, maybe not, but what's that one thing in your life that it just keeps creeping up? You just can't seem to get victory over it. Mine was, is... seeking to please people other than to please my Savior, please my God. Uh, and as I've kind of researched this and, again, praying through, trying to, to get victory in my own life over this, it's, it's one that pastors deal with a lot because in order to, for God to call you into this place, you, you have to love people. You have to care about people. Because if you don't care about people, you can't, you can't stand here and, and tell somebody to do something if they don't believe you care about them. Because let's face it, there's times, even today, we have to open up God's Word and we have to share hard things with you. And if I share those things with you and you don't think I care about you, are you going to listen to me? No, you're not. So obviously I know I've got that to prove. We've not been here very long, but, but I care about you. I, I, if I've never met you, I still care about you. And the problem with that is that we can go too far with it in the fact that, that we do everything that we do in order that you be pleased, in order that you be happy. And let's face it, guys, if there's more than three people in the church, you're going to go insane trying to live that way. And I promise you that church is not going to go in the direction that God wants it to go in if you go that way because you're going to make some of them mad and they're going to leave. And if that's your sole purpose of being here, you might as well hang it up. So it's an issue. And it's not just an issue with preachers. That's just, you know, obviously a, an example, an illustration. But I think we all struggle with that one. But, but what is yours this morning? What is that one sin, that one thing that just keeps creeping back up? And again, folks, I could give you a, a laundry list of things. Is it jealousy? Is it greed? Is it pride? Is it your spirit? Is it the fact that you just, you're never happy about anything. Just grumble and complain about everything. Is it that you're constantly acting out in anger towards those you love? You don't want to, but it just, you just can't seem to get a handle on it. Is it that you're seeking to dull the pains of life with substances like alcohol and drugs of whatever sorts? Is it that you're constantly having lustful thoughts and 
possibly going so far as to act on those lusts, whether it be pornography or adultery. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying the fact that you're standing over here and you say that you're, you're, you're inspired now. You've seen others do it and you want to do it too, but you've got this weight on you. You've got this sin that's hindering you. God wants us to have victory, right? He doesn't want us walking around defeated. He wants to show the world what joy looks like. Matter of fact, we're going to finish up today talking about the prize of this race and the fact that Jesus did what he did for the joy set before him. So, folks, we've got some preparation that we, all of us, that we need to do in life, dealing with this weight and this sin. So now, I guess we've, we've shed, or at least we're attempting to, so please don't think that you have, to, you have to be in a place of victory on these to run this race. You just need to be in process like the rest of us. Amen? Amen. Y'all need to learn to do that better. I'm not asking for this for me. This is all about God. This is about our Lord, our Savior. Amen? Amen. Amen. So next is the participation. We've seen this procession come before us that's inspired us we've prepared this preparation and now it's time to participate he says and now now let us run with endurance the race that's set before us first thing i want us to see is the fact who's running who's running he says and let us run the race It didn't say, let us go find a few people and pay them to run for us. It didn't. You can picture the writer of the Hebrews almost as the preacher in this this place. He's saying, let us. In other words, he's including himself. All of us need to be involved in this race. Let us run. We're not here to appoint others. We're not here to just be cheerleaders. Not to put cheerleaders down in any way. That's, we're, we're here to be in the race. And then it says, how, how are we to run? Is it a sprint? Is it that I take off and do something real fast and then I get to rest for the rest of my life? No, it said run with endurance. In other words, it's going to be a long race. We don't ever get to retire from this race. We don't ever get a a gold watch in this life. Now, we get an eternity that is out of this world. Ah, we got one catching on. We get a retirement that's out of this world, right? (sighs) Come on, guys, help me out. Amen! We have heaven. We have Jesus waiting. Now, let's talk about the race that's in front of us. <clears throat> I want to read a little uh, story. It was a, actually an illustration in one of the commentaries. And the reason I'm reading this this morning is the fact that not all of our races are going to be equal. Okay, some of us, 
our race is going to be much harder than, some, than the person next to me. It's going to seem like it's uphill 24-7. I never get a break. There's always illness. There's always sickness. There's, there's always suffering. There's always something there. And, and I just I look out at some people, and I'm just like, you know, I almost ask the question, God, why so much on one person? Knowing that the Word tells us that, that all the things that He does in our life are good. So we've got to see this, not as that once I start this race, it's just going to be perfect. You know, I've got these witnesses. I know Jesus is on my side. It's just going to be perfect. Actually, just the opposite. So I just want to read this, this little story this morning. It's about a man named Bill Broadhurst. It says, in 1981, Bill entered the Pepsi Challenge 10,000-meter race in Omaha, Nebraska. Surgery 10 years earlier from an aneurysm in the brain had left him paralyzed on the left side. Now, on that misty July morning, he stands with 1,200 other prepared men and women at the starting line. The gun sounds. The, the crowd surges forward. Bill throws his, his stiff leg forward pivots on it as his foot hits the ground. His slow plop, plop, plop rhythm seems to mock him as the pack races into the distance. Sweat rolls down his face. Pain pierces his ankle, but he keeps going. Some of the runners complete the race in about 30 minutes, but two hours and 29 minutes later, Bill reaches the finish line. A man approaches him from a small group of remaining bystanders. Though exhausted, Bill recognizes him from pictures in the newspaper. He's Bill Rogers, the famous marathon runner, who then drapes his newly won medal around Bill's neck. Pretty good illustration of of the race that God has in store for, for many of us. So that brought me to ask the question of this text, this this morning to at least bring it to our minds. Is, so does that mean that God loves some people more than me? Not at all. Not at all. If we go digging in the Scriptures, guys, it, it seems like it was the ones that He loved the most, that, that endured the most. And it was because they had accepted more of Him. Because obviously we look at Jesus and the suffering that He went through and then that the Scriptures teach us so much in the fact that we're to... Go so far as to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Because as we endure, God grows our character. Whenever you see somebody suffering like that and you see them do it, still praising their Lord, not grumbling or complaining, still doing what they can do to help others, now that inspires us. That makes us look deep down inside and say, I'm not dealing with that. Why, why am I not doing more? So the next thing we see this morning is the power. We've gone from this procession to some preparation to to now participation, and, and it's as if my eyes, my, my focus has gone from these that have inspired me back here to now. I'm looking forward, and, and I see the trophy. I see 
the power that I need to, to win this race. And that power, folks, verse 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Folks, without the gospel, there is no race. Without Jesus, there is no race. Without Jesus, there is just life without joy. There is meaningless, temporary happiness fleeting, comes and goes, living for the weekend kind of life. There is no real joy, and there, there is no power to deal with the things in life. There is, there is no way to go through sufferings. There is no way to, to deal with the kinds of things that life throws at us without Jesus. Our text this morning tells us that, that we're to look to him because he is, first of all, well, it says founder. Most of us are used to author or something different, depending on what your translation is. But he's simply talking about the gospel and the fact that Jesus is the one who, who died in your place. He is the one that once you accept the free gift that he offers you, once you tell him that you believe and that you are sorry for your sin and, and accept his love, He's the founder of the race. And it says, praise God, he's the perfecter of it. Of our faith. Because you see, as we look back at chapter 11, that chapter is, is about nothing but faith. Nothing but faith. And, and it tells us that faith is, is something that we can't grab a hold of. We can't put our hands on it. We can't touch it. It's just something that becomes a part of my life. Once I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now in faith, I'm able to step out and do things that are not natural to me. You see, you're not born with it to be natural for you to go help somebody else. To put other people's needs above your needs. You're not born with that. You have to accept that, that gift from Jesus in order for that faith, for that to, to, be, to begin to spring up in your life. We're born to, to want what we want and forget everybody else. Jesus died in our place, and, and he tells us things like, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're going to be running. I'm going to be right here beside you. Anytime you think that, you're, that you can't go anymore, I'll give you what you need. I'll never not be there for you. When we're walking in faith. When we're seeking after him. When that is our life's pursuit. Because you see, this, this race is our life. So the question this morning is, have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And are you pursuing him? Are you running a race? Are you getting up every day not perfectly, obviously, we all struggle. But are you getting up every day and, and are thoughts of Him coming to mind? Is there a desire to read the Word? Is there a desire to see what this book is going to teach me today? 
Is there a desire to, to, to pray and to have communication with God? Folks, that's the power to run the race. Yes, we need motivation to get started. We need people to rally around us, to share the gospel with us, to help us to get in the race. And, and we need people to, to help us to be in order that we may be discipled. We need, you know, we need Bible studies. We need different things in order for us to get involved, in order to, to, to prepare. But ultimately, it all points to Jesus. which is our prize. And I know we struggle with that, folks. We live in a day and an age and in a country to where we are so spoiled, rotten. Our desires in life are more and more and more and bigger this and more of that and keeping up with the Joneses. And, and it's something that all of us struggle with. Some of you, it would be your, that sin... But we all struggle with it. It's pretty, it's shiny, it's all around us, and we want it. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to see Jesus as the prize. We have to. And the best way that I know to illustrate it this morning and and I know this doesn't affect everybody. Not everybody's been married or, or whatever. But just, I just need you to, to picture, you know, just that, that one relationship, whether it be as you were pursuing your spouse or, or whatever, just that one person in your life that you just love to be with. Do you really care about what kind of house that person lives in? Do you really care about what kind of car that person drives? Do you really care about whether that person has any money or not? You just desire to be with that person, right? And you see, that's the way God made you. He made you to desire these relationships. And then obviously, as we pursue one of those in it and we get married... The purpose of that is, is, is even to show us what our relationship with Jesus is supposed to be like. Us just giddy, just doing whatever we can do to please Him. Not me. Him. Hun, you come second. Okay. Kids, you come third. Church, you come fourth. He's first. And we just live in a day and an age that just doesn't seem to get that. It's about a relationship with the Savior who, as our text finishes up with this morning, says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. In other words, the, the shame didn't mean anything to him. He didn't, he didn't care what he was going to look like. He wasn't worried about what somebody was going to think of him. He saw you. And he knew that, that this was just God's plan, that he had to go through this in order to buy you back out of your sin. 
in order that you could be saved, in order that he could spend eternity with you. How many people have done that for you? He didn't care. You, we are his prize. A lot of people, they kind of debate back and forth what Jesus was, or what the writer was talking about here is he's referencing Jesus and for the joy set before him. Some say that it was maybe the fact that he knew he was going back to heaven. But I don't think that's what he meant. Who for the joy set before him, that joy was you. It was me. So what have we learned this morning? Outside of the fact that we know this young man can carry 60 pounds and run. We learned the fact that we're not alone. You are not alone. I don't care what you're dealing with right now. Somebody has experienced it and allowed God to to step into it and make it better. We've learned that we've got some work to do, all of us. Some at different levels, but we've all, we're all in this, this place of, of preparation. We got weight in our life. We got sin in our life, and we got to be dealing with it. But most importantly, folks, we've learned that we've got to look to Jesus for the power to do it. If you leave this place today with a checklist thinking, I've got to deal with this, I've got to deal with this, and I've got to deal with this, you've missed the whole point. Because you can't deal with it. We have the whole Old Testament teaching us that. You can't. You can't follow the laws. I can't. You put them in front of me, and I'm going to find a way to break them. I'm in a good place for an amen. I'm going to find a way to break them. And we've got to stop looking to this world as the prize. Jesus and the eternal life that we're going to have with him one of these days is the prize. And he tells us that we're going to be rewarded for how we run this race. So, folks, I prayed that God would give me whatever was needed in order to preach this message because it just we've got to be inspired to do more. Each of us. So right now, this is the point to see whether, whether we've got it or not. Some of you here this morning, you need to get saved. You need to accept Jesus for the first time as your Lord and Savior. You need to tell him that, that you believe in him. You need to tell him that, that you're a sinner in need of his grace. And ask him to come into your life and save you, knowing that the scriptures promise that he will. And the rest of us this morning, we've got some weight we need to shed. We've got some sin that we need to to ask for forgiveness for and to ask for victory. So literally, as as the band comes this morning, the invitation is here. The time for listening to this idiot speak in front of you is over. There's chairs on both sides. I'll be standing up here. Andrew will be up here if... If you know you need to do something but don't know what it is, just come. We'll help you through it. But let me pray for you first. Father, um, it's real easy for all of us to hear about the things we need to change and, and agree. 
but it's hard for us to actually step out and, and deal with it, Father. Because we, we don't think we have what Jesus had. We don't think that we're able to despise the shame of it and the fact that somebody might see that I'm not perfect. Father, help us all to just own Romans 3.23 that for all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Help us all to own that right now, Father. All of us have things that need to be dealt with. So, Father, right now, I just pray that you give each person in this room courage. I pray that you give them a, a desire to not to be better. A desire to be better because you want them to be better and that you want to give them the power to get there. So, Father, we're just praying for you to do in us what we can't do for ourselves. Knowing that you've proven that you will and the fact that you sent your own son to die in our place in order to buy us back from these places that we are in. So, Father, have your way in us right now. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.